0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. When the nights get cold and the lights go out, the sun is gone behind the clouds, and you feel lost, and I'll reach out to guide you home with my lighthouse. Oh, away. Welcome to Lighthouse of Hope. I'm your host, Michael Hempseed. I'm so glad you're joining us today. On today's show, I want to look at money worries. One of my comments is that often in the mental health field, we talk about things like uh, managing stress, we talk about things like mindfulness, we talk about ways to manage depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And one of the things I've noticed is that there seems to be a real absence of understanding that finances actually play a big role in our mental health, uh, particularly poor finances. So there's been lots of studies that show that debt uh, tends to have a disastrous impact on our well-being. And over the years, uh, I've been involved in many different mental health initiatives. Um, I've seen many different plans out there And it's been really interesting that there's been a total absence in many cases of any consideration about a person's finances. So we know that if people are struggling, it's very difficult to be happy. and People are often a lot more anxious than they should be. We know that if people have a history of childhood trauma, they're more likely to make impulsive decisions that they'll regret later. So it really is important to understand that finances do play a significant role in our well-being. One thing I do want to comment on is a lot of people say, well, money can't buy you happiness. Uh, And that is true. I do know some very wealthy people that are utterly miserable. But what I would say is that, unfortunately, poverty does bring unhappiness. So having lots of money doesn't necessarily make you happy, but an absence of money and being in debt certainly can make you unhappy. So on the show I want to look at what are some things that you can do around your personal finances uh, to possibly improve this. Now I do want to be very clear, my background is in psychology, Uh, I am not a financial advisor, so please take everything that I say with a grain of salt. So the first thing that I want to look at is well, what's going on out there, And I really want to acknowledge that it is tough out there for a lot of people. Uh, Prices have risen a lot. A lot of people were stressed financially quite badly. And then we throw in inflation or we throw in maybe a job loss or reduced hours. And lots of people are finding it really, really difficult out there. So I want to acknowledge that and we want to see is there something we can do about it. The first thing that I want to look at is a book that I read recently called The Millionaire Next Door. This is a book by Thomas Stanley and William Duncoe. So have a moment to think about a millionaire's lifestyle. If you were a millionaire, what kind of car would you drive? Most people would probably say a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, maybe a Porsche. Uh, What sort of watch would you wear? Maybe a Rolex. Um, You'd probably go and fly business class to all these exotic locations, and you'd have a fabulous house. Well, the authors of the book say that, believe it or not, most millionaires do not live like that. The research that they have done into genuine millionaires shows that most people that have a lot of money do not drive expensive cars. They live in modest neighbourhoods, they often uh, drive second-hand cars, and they often have fairly cheap watches, and this surprises a lot of people because we think if someone's got all that money, then they must spend it really easily. But a lot of the people have made that have made money and keep it respect that money they look after it so one of the first things I'd really do in this show is ask yourself, "Am I living like a false millionaire?" Uh, There's too many influencers on Instagram showing you they've got all this wealth and things like that. Are you living up to that ideal? Because a lot of people that genuinely have money, they don't actually live like that. Uh, One of the things I know that unfortunately from my suicide prevention work is that there's been a lot of people over the years that have had considerable sums of money and they've lost it all. For example, studies of lottery winners, and it doesn't matter the amount that you win, most people go through it in two years. Uh, Somewhere between, I think, 70 and 80% of professional sports players also go through their money in two years. So a lot of people think that uh, money is um, abundant and it'll be there forever, but the people that have genuine wealth and the people that uh, really do sustain that wealth have quite a different attitude to us. So one of the things I see online is um, a lot of advisors tell people to have a millionaire's mindset, and that is to think that you are rich and to think that money is abundant. However, the people that I have observed over the years that have lasting wealth, they do not think money is abundant. In fact, they tend to think poverty is abundant. I just want to look at the last 40 years of um issues on the stock market. So there are some people that go through life with the attitude life is always going to be good and there's never going to be a rainy day. The people that have sustained wealth over time, they plan for problems. In the last 40 years, we have had the 1987 stock market crash. In the year 2000, we had the dot-com bubble burst. In the year 2008, we had the global financial crisis. And in 2020, we had COVID. So that means that roughly every 10 years, there is a significant economic upset. So just from experience, we know that life is not always going to be good, and that things do go wrong. And the people that seem to keep their money and be relatively well off financially, put away for a rainy day. Now, I'm sure some people are thinking, "Okay, um, I haven't maybe been good with my finances, what do I do? I'll look at some things later that you can do that might be able to help. Uh, But what I do want to say is, it's really important to try and consider that, you know, life will not always be easy, and there will be unexpected bills. In a previous show, I talked about people that were resilient. And I found there was a group of airline pilots that when they were laid off, they were okay with it. They thought this was part of life. And these people weren't just psychologically resilient, these people were financially resilient. Interestingly enough, the resilient people went through life thinking, maybe bad things are going to happen to me. And so they planned for that, and they had some savings. So when they were laid off, it wasn't a disaster. The next thing that I want to talk about that's one of the big lessons from uh, the millionaire next door is to really understand that millionaires don't live this luxurious lifestyle. So we might assume that all millionaires will wear tailored suits, and yet what we find is that uh, most of them either wear off-the-shelf suits or they get them from, say, a recycled clothing shop. I just want to give you an example of this. Um, Most of the suits that I wear are somewhere between $500 and maybe $750. But the last two suits that I brought, I got from a recycling centre. One was $10 and one was $20. Both of them were brand new and they even had the labels still on them. It's estimated that something like 40% of all clothes are never even worn once. So people buy these things and they don't use them. So it's really important to know that you can get some great deals out there, and there are options like that to look at. So um, start thinking that um, you don't always have to spend a lot of money. Uh, One of the other things that I've been learning about recently is fast fashion. And believe it or not, fast fashion contributes more to climate change than the entire transportation industry. So that's more than airlines, traffic, and shipping combined. And there's some people that will buy many, many clothes. And try and think when you go out, do I need this? And sometimes a lot of people know, well, I probably shouldn't buy this, but then when I go out, I get tempted. And one of the things that's been found to really help people is to have a plan for that situation, so if you know you're the sort of person that thinks, I'm not very well off financially, when I go out, I get tempted and I buy things that I don't need. So having a plan here is really important. Uh, there's two strategies that tend to work quite well for a lot of people. One of them is if you're really tempted to buy something, stop, uh, maybe take a walk around the block for 10 or 15 minutes and come back. And um, during that time, really ask yourself, you know, do I really need this thing? Or am I just buying this impulsively? Uh, One of the things that I try and do for most of my financial decisions, I try and think, you know, do I really need this? Or is this just something that's nice to have? Another strategy or another trick is to, um, if you're the sort of person that buys things impulsively and then comes home and then realizes you're in massive debt and you get really upset about this, When you're in those uh, times of being really upset about the purchases you make, write down how you feel and then keep that in your purse, your wallet, or put it on your phone somewhere where you can access it. And then when you go into a shop, if you are tempted to buy things impulsively, you know, have a read of that. And sometimes remembering that pain that you went through um, really can help people. The next topic that I want to talk about today is uh, really understanding something called compound interest. Uh, So, some people are thinking, I vaguely recall doing something about that at school, but I don't really know what that is. Okay, so let's say you have $1,000, and then you put that into a savings account, and for the next 30 years, you put uh, that and another $1,000 into a savings account each year. So, over that 30 years, you would have uh, $30,000. Now, you might think, well, okay, that would be some savings, but if you were to get 8% interest on that money each year, over 30 years, that $30,000 would turn into $132,000. So some people think, well, saving $30,000 isn't that great, but if I could have, say, $132,000 in my savings, that would be pretty good. Uh, Albert Einstein once said, "Compound interest is one of the most important and one of the most powerful forces in the universe." And so, the thing about compound interest is it tends to start off quite slow. So, if you have a thousand dollars and you get eight percent interest on that per year, um, it's not really a lot of money. But it's eighty dollars, and people think, "Well, what's the point of this?" But if you follow this uh, down a little bit, um, then the numbers start to grow quite considerably. And um, you start getting thousands and thousands of dollars uh, in interest every year. One of the other things when it comes to money is to be patient. Most of the people that I know that have made money are not people that have bought a few um, hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin and accidentally got rich off it. Most of the people that I know that have made money These are people that have tried to make small but continual gains every single year. And so you might think, well, 8% interest isn't that much, and in one year, no, it isn't, but over time. So where possible, try and think about your finances as a long-term game. Unfortunately, a lot of the people that I see that go bankrupt, they tend to go for the quick gains. So for example, they'll try and take $20,000, and they'll put that on cryptocurrency, um, and then they'll do day trading, and then unfortunately that money will evaporate. Um, Another interesting fact is it's thought people that are day traders, it's thought something like 90%, possibly more, lose money. And so these are people that are trying to make a quick buck, and unfortunately it doesn't really work. Uh, There's lots of platforms out there now where you can buy shares, Internally buying shares is a really good way to make money long term. But you've got to know what you're doing. Uh, one of the mistakes many people make is they buy high and sell low. So, for example, they might have thought, well, Netflix stock has been doing really well lately. I'll buy some of that. And the problem is they're buying it when it's really high. And if you've been watching the news, uh, it's lost, I think, a third of its value at the time of recording this in the last couple of days. And then a lot of people are tempted to sell that. And so what they're doing is they're buying high and selling low, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. So one of the things that can really help with this is it's been shown again and again that people are not very good at choosing stocks. Um, They tend to make lots of mistakes in it. And um, most people that do it themselves, they're not very good. So there's something called an index fund. And what this does is it might take say the top 500 companies in new zealand or the us and it invests a small amount in all of them and this is called diversification and uh, if you have um, all your eggs in one basket let's say you thought "Oh, netflix stock is really good i'll buy only that one as you've seen in the last couple of days you can get yourself into a lot of trouble whereas if you have 500 different companies um, you've got less of a risk. Now I say less of a risk, it's not no risk. So um, if you do want to start investing, um, really do try and understand a little bit about what you're doing. Unfortunately, I have seen people lose a lot of money on day trading on some of these new apps where you can buy and sell shares. Uh, so we do really have to be a bit careful about that. One of my other comments is that sometimes people think, well, oh, finances are too difficult to learn. Or, you know, they expect just to buy a few shares and say Facebook and make millions of dollars. Um, Well, if you want to do this well, it actually takes time to learn this. And sometimes people say, well, I don't really have that time or it's not worth it. Well, let's take your retirement, for example. Um, Most people um, are probably going to be retired for 15, 20, 25 years. And that's a really long time. So if you want to make the most of that part of your life... It's worth sitting down and spending, you know, two or three hours each week trying to learn about, you know, what's the difference between, say, a mutual fund, an index fund, a growth fund, or a conservative fund. And don't just take the first article that you read uh, that tells you you should put all your money into a um, aggressive fund, but actually try and take some time to learn. Well, you know, what are the challenges of this? Uh, what are the challenges here? What could be the risks? Um, and take the time. And although this does take time to learn, uh, if you put that bit of effort in, uh, the benefits really do pay off. Um, another thing to be really aware of with fees is that um, something like maybe 1% or 2% from, say, your KiwiSaver may not sound like much. But a study by Vanguard in the US found that a 2% fee on your retirement fund can wipe out 40% of the value over 30 years and to understanding things like fees that um, do matter, and they are really important. So um, if you're listening to this and think, oh, this is a bit difficult, um, you know, you can replay this. Uh, This is available on the Planes FM website. You can play this several times. Uh, Many of you know that I teach complex neuroscience, and I want to be really honest about that, because often the first time I try and learn this stuff, I don't understand it. Uh, Sometimes I'll read a passage in a book and think, I did not understand a word of that, and I have to go back over it several times. Um, I think I had to go over a talk by Rachel Yehuda, who did something on epigenetics, I think about uh, six or seven times to understand it. So if you try and understand some of this stuff, and you're feeling frustrated, and you think, oh, I don't get this, that's okay. Try again. After that, you may need to try again. Um, but all of us, if we could learn a little bit about financial literacy, it could really help us. Um, and it's important to choose the right kind of uh, financial advice. Unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, people on YouTube telling you how to be millionaires. And really, if you follow these strategies, you will go bankrupt. So it's important to get really good advice. Um, some of the things that I've talked about today are the book, The Millionaire Next Door. And that's a really great place to start. Learning about things like index funds, uh, learning about things like compound interest. Uh, learning about fees on accounts, these are all uh, solid strategies that can really help you. The final couple of points that I want to make today is that if you are in debt, there are actually some things you can do. And I mentioned before, it's really important to understand compound interest. So let's say you have a credit card, and you have a $2,000 debt on that, and the interest rate is 20%. If you just pay off the minimum, which is 2% per month, or $40, over 30 years, that'll take you 30 years to pay off that $2,000 debt. And in that 30 years, you will spend $7,000 in interest. So that's really what compound interest does and the problems it can cause um, in the opposite direction. So if ever you've got a credit card, if at all possible, try and pay it off as quickly as possible. If you pay 8% per month, Um, that goes up to uh, $160 a month. It'll take you um, four years to pay it off, but you'll only pay $500 in interest. So that would be the difference between $7,000 in interest or $500. So again, trying to learn about these things is really important and is really helpful. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I just can't pay that debt off. I've got such a massive debt. I'm in trouble. Uh there's two things to know about. Uh in New Zealand there's two uh, organizations that offer charitable loans. The first one is Good Shepherd New Zealand. So if you just go to the website goodshepherd.org.nz, uh, many of their loans um have zero or low interest on them. So that's something that can really help a lot of people. Um and the other one is Nitangata Microfinance. I'll just spell that, that's N-G-A-T-A-N-G-A-T-A, um, and they can help also with uh, low and in- or no interest, I think, uh, loans. So if you are stuck paying off a high interest debt, there are two great organisations out there that can help you. Uh, a lot of people unfortunately don't know about these services, you know, they're stuck paying high interest and credit card debt or a payday loan or something like that, then possibly there are some other options out there. Um, Another great uh, place you can get some really good financial advice is the website uh, moneytalks.co.nz. And that has, I think, a complete list of all the budgeting services throughout New Zealand. And sometimes people are a bit embarrassed to get help, especially people on higher incomes. But I really do encourage you, if you are struggling, do try and get some help. Uh, Because the earlier that you you get help with this, the easier it is to do something about it. And one of the sad things that I have seen is some people get into so much debt, they think, well, I'm in so much debt now, I might as well just add to it. But the people that can get themselves out of debt, they don't take that attitude at all. They think, I have to pay this off, and I'm going to do it. And sometimes if you can have a budget advisor with someone like that, they can give you some tips to do that. The last point that I want to leave you with and expand on is just a couple of other points from that book, uh, The Millionaire Next Door. And one of the things they say is that millionaires live below their means. So for example, if you can afford a house that's a million dollars, I encourage you, Buy one that's $500,000. I know in some areas of New Zealand that's not always possible. But um, that sort of attitude, um, instead of trying to get the absolute maximum that you can afford, that will really help you out later. So, for example, um, if you can get a house um, that's reasonably cheap, you think, well, what is the maximum loan the bank will give me? The problem is if you get a 30-year mortgage and things go wrong, you've got nowhere to move. But if at all possible, if you can get, say, a 20 or 25-year mortgage, and then things do go wrong, you've got a bit of space to move. So I know that's not possible for some people. I know for some people, um, housing is a long, long way off. Um, just always try and think, you know, say so instead of buying, you know, the 60-inch TV, um, you know, will the 30-inch TV do, or something like that. Um, so the authors of the book they really um, attack what I would call this culture of spending this culture of extravagance, and they've found that real millionaires, not um, people on the internet that like to give advice or like to look rich but probably aren't, they have found that genuine billionaires, by and large, tend to live below their means. Now, you'll be saying, well, what about the millionaire that drives a Ferrari or owns a mansion in um, Malibu or somewhere like that? Yes, there's a couple of them, but the overwhelming majority... Um, Believe it or not, most millionaires drive older second-hand cars, Um, they do not wear tailored suits, they do not wear expensive watches, Um, they don't dine out at fancy restaurants, they don't fly business class. They actually live like everyone else. And that's the title of their book, The Millionaire Next Door. And a lot of these people live in regular neighbourhoods, you have no idea, and the reason they are rich is because they look after their money. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. When the nights get cold and the lights go out, the sun is gone behind the clouds, and you feel lost, and I'll reach out to guide you home with my lighthouse.